In this episode of Make Me a Believer, I head to Yorktown, Texas with one of my longtime friends, uh, Billy, where we get a preview of what to expect on our first ghost hunting session. So, it is uh, March 14th, 5 p.m. Um, we are in Yorktown, Texas, and Billy and I should be kicking off our ghost hunting in about four and a half hours. We're going to be at an abandoned hospital that was formerly run by nuns and uh, And as far as I know, it's been unoccupied for several decades now. So we'll be meeting with a medium and get the ghost hunting basics down. And then we will be on our own for several hours. Adventures to begin soon. All right. So I'm with Billy. It's 9.45-ish Saturday night. About 10 minutes before we start doing this ghost hunting stuff. Can you tell me your... uh, Can you describe quickly the setting we're in? Tell me a little bit about Yorktown, Texas. What do you know so far? What I know so far is that it is in the middle of nowhere. Very small town. Um seems like it consists of Main Street and nothing else. One stoplight. One stoplight in Yorktown, Texas. Uh, Two establishments, business establishments. There's a Dairy Queen and there's a steakhouse and there is an abandoned hospital which we are going to investigate. Alright. And we are uh, traveling on the one main road walking to uh, Main Street. Main Street. Walking to the abandoned hospital the haunted hospital very haunted alright we will of course check in throughout so we arrived outside of the memorial hospital uh, for our orientation typically the group that hosts this uh, ghost hunting experience takes the entire group through the building as a group, they explain some of the things um, as we're seeing them or different, you know, and as we're in different locations within the building. Because of the circumstances, they decided to split us up into smaller groups. So they held the orientation outside, shared some stories outside, um, and talked a little bit about some of the things within the building. They also went through uh, sharing information about some of the tools that could be checked out. So they had a couple devices that you could use that would help detect activity um, within the building. So they ran through some information about that. Uh, So we're going to catch some of that, um, some of that recording now. And just a heads up that this is outside 
and uh, we were right in front of Main Street, which was uh, the really the only street in town you know, coming through, and there were trucks passing periodically. So sometimes the quality of the audio is, uh, is a little disrupted because of that. So if your team decides they want to have a spirit communication session and they would like me to help you with that, please, all you have to do is come to this table and you can pretty much check me out for a spirit communication session. I will go with you to whatever floor you're on at that time and I will be happy, happy to help you. Uh, and I will also teach you a little bit of spirit communication if that's something that you want. Um, Stephen, will you go ahead and do an intro of all yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and share a little bit about the tools that we have with us. Now, the first thing that we share with people whenever we're teaching any spirit communication or ghost hunting is that your body is really your most important tool. So listen to your body, ground yourself, listen to your senses. Do you hear something, smell something? Does your hair shake up on the back of your neck? Those are all good indicators that perhaps something is going on around you. Now, you will also have your cell phones on you. You are welcome to use your cell phone for video, for audio recordings, but also for photos. If you're trying to capture spirit photography, we would recommend taking several photos in the exact same spot so that you can scroll through them and debunk, well, that was my finger in the way, or there was a fly going by, or perhaps that was a spirit. We do have a couple of equipment that I want to share with you guys. I'm going to share all of the electric stuff. Now, the first I want to share is going to be an EMF detector. Now, we have a couple different types of EMF detectors. Now, it is believed that spirits are able to manipulate or shift the electromagnetic fields around them. So, all of these EMF detectors are doing is really detecting that shift or looking at that shift. These are very, very easy to use. All you need to do is have them on and you can hold them while you're walking around the space. You'll want to be wary of having these too close to your cell phone, especially if you are receiving a text message. You may even want to uh, consider having it turned on to airplane mode. Now you'll hold these around and then if there is a high shift, they will blink or they will make a noise. So we have a few different types of EMF detectors that you can um, check out tonight. We'll have an analog and then we have two different types of digital ones. Now we also have some temperature guns or temperature gauges. These are very easy to use, they're point and shoot. Essentially wherever the uh, laser is pointing is where the temperature is reading. And you know, I'm sure you guys have heard about cold spots or seen movies where they talk about cold spots. Now parapsychologists believe that spirits need energy to manifest and heat is a source of energy. So essentially, whenever somebody is experiencing a cold spot or a hot spot, it is a manipulation of that temperature for that spirit to come up and show up. And so, what you're going to be looking for is 10 degrees separation in temperature. If you see a couple of degrees separation, that's not a really great indicator that something is happening. But when you do have those 10 degrees or higher, those are good indicators that something paranormal is happening. Now, Fred is going to share a couple of our non-electronic tools. Alright, so I'm going to basically be talking about spirit communication things. These are not scientific tools. Um, these are on the same line of, if you've ever heard of the Ouija board, all those kinds of things. These aren't, we don't have a Ouija board for you guys to use tonight. But these are, it's the same concept. And so the first thing that I want to share with you is dowsing rods. Anybody ever used these before? No, all right, well, originally over here we have a, yes. Originally, really, these were just used to 
fine bodies of water. And so whenever they would cross, it would indicate that there was water either under you or nearby. Uh, now, you can also utilize them to find electricity and these kinds of things, but we no longer utilize usually divining rods for that because our electric companies, our water companies, they do all of that for us nowadays. We don't really have the need to do that. However, we can utilize these for spirit communication. Um, and so it's very simple to utilize something like this. One of the other things to keep in mind is that it, when these move, it's not that little spirit fingers are coming and manipulating these at all. It's not like that. Um, what, how these things work is actually through our own subconscious energy. So parapsychologists, what they think is that we all have the ability to communicate with the spirit world using our subconscious. Now, it is hard for us sometimes to tap into that subconscious. Some people are easy to do that, like a medium or a psychic or a clairvoyant. Other people have a lot harder ability to do that. So what these things work is it helps us to tap into that subconscious and then helps us to kind of download the answers. So you can utilize this for yes or no answer. So I'm gonna kind of show you that. Um, what I do is I always bring them right over here to my chest. And then I'm just gonna kind of lean them here and I'm gonna say, can you show me a yes answer? my yes answer is always cross and you can see that they just cross for me uh, and then I'm gonna set them down after every question you're gonna set them down you're gonna reset put them back up to your chest and then let's see can you show me a no answer my no answer is always a part now this just works with your subconscious what I like to do is I like to test things that I know like is my last name Garza or you know am I a male or a female these kinds of things, stuff that you know, so you can kind of test them. They don't always work right away for people because sometimes our energies are different and sometimes we kind of have to acclimate that energy to these kinds of things. But I find that these are incredibly helpful to have spirit communication sessions. And so you can ask simple questions like yes or no questions like, you know, is there is there spirit of a Philistine sister or a nun that once occupied this? Is anyone like that around? And they may indicate a yes or a no. And then you can ask more and more questions. One of the, the coolest activities that I ever did is I was at uh, a cemetery in San Antonio. And it was on Halloween. And we started having a spirit communication session using these. And I asked, is there any, anybody around? They crossed for a yes. And then I said, are you a male or female? Or I said, are you a male? And immediately it crossed yes for a male. And then I said, well, were you one years old when you died? And it said no. Were you two? It said no. And on three, it said yes. So I said, okay, the three-year-old. Uh, and then I asked, can you help spell your name? And did it start with an A, a B, a C? And I went through the whole alphabet, and I actually spelled the name Edwin out. And then I said, well, Edwin, if you're around, can you help point me in the direction utilizing these? And so they pointed a series of ways. It was probably about uh, maybe 100 feet away from where I was standing. I looked down, and the tombstone does say Edwin. I thought, wow, that's really kind of remarkable. But one thing that disappointed me is when I looked down, I saw that this child was both born and died the same year. So I was like, oh, that didn't work. But me being the nerd I am, I went home. I went on Ancestry.com. I pulled up the death certificate for this child. The child was three days old. So um, I do believe that these are helpful to us in that sense. I do believe we can communicate with spirits. It does take some patience. Um, so if you're feeling up for the challenge, I definitely recommend these. Now let me get a pendulum out for you guys. These are going to work exactly the same way. Anybody ever use a pendulum before? No? Yes. 
yes, over here. Okay, well, these are very simple tools. Um, they've been used for a very long time. They literally are just a weight and a strain. Um, and so all of ours are gonna be some kind of crystal and then a little beady chain. Now, a long time ago, doctors would actually utilize these to diagnose their patients. Uh, now we're not gonna do that. We're not gonna see if anyone has the coronavirus with this. But what you can do is you can ask those simple yes or no questions. So let's do, can you show me a yes answer? And if you'll notice, it's kind of hard to see in the dark, but my yes is always back and forth. Then I'm gonna just hold it there and say, can you show me a no answer? And you're gonna notice that you're close enough that it's gonna start changing directions and it's now doing a little circle. And so that will indicate my yes or no. Now it may be different for different people. You're always gonna wanna check your key on both the divining rods and on the pendulum because it could be different for, for, for you all. So check that key, ask questions that you know, but these are all really great tools to be able to you know, tap into that spirit world, have some communication and kind of learn for yourself. Now, if you're not a big believer in those things, I often tend to think that even if you don't believe in spirit communication, it really does kind of exacerbate some of the spirit activities. Sometimes spirits are interested in that and spirits often will respond to your voices. And so if you want, if you're wanting to try to get something, ask questions, talk, be kind, um, aggressive nature and aggressive questions sometimes don't really work that well for you. So if you're patient, if you're kind, these kinds of things tend to work just a little bit better. I mean, none of us want to talk to somebody who's being kind of rude to us, right? And so that's the same way with the spirit world. So a little bit of respect will go an incredibly long way. Um, so I do want to share with you those. And then now Stephen is going to give you a little bit of history about the property and also break down the three floors that are in this property for you. All right, y'all. So the structure behind me was built in the year 1950 but it opened up in the year 1951. Now at that time, there was a great need for a hospital in Yorktown because the nearest facility was an hour and a half away in San Antonio. So it was a big deal for the city of Yorktown. Now it was open for about 35 years and it closed down in the year 1986. Now, during its run as a hospital, it was run by the Catholic Church, uh, particularly the, the um, Felician, <laughs> the Felician sisters or nuns who ran the operations here, but they also worked here and lived on the very top floor. Now, it was estimated that over 2,000 people perished while it was a hospital itself, about 50 people every single year. Now, after it was a hospital in the year 1986, it closed down and was reopened as a drug rehabilitation center. At that time, in a nearby city, Cuero, Texas, there was a larger facility built that had some better funding, so all of the people of Yorktown ended up going over there. Now, it was here as a drug rehabilitation center all the way up until the year 1992. At that time, it became an abandoned building, and it has been abandoned for 28 years. It is completely closed to the public except for tours and investigations like tonight. So it is kind of a very special thing that you are here and you get to explore all parts of the structure itself. Um, I do want to mention the three floors that y'all are going to be able to explore. We'll start with the basement. Now the basement you will find a boiler room, you'll find some of the priest quarters, and then you'll also have access to a loading dock that is in the rear part. Now, there's a couple of stories that I want to share with you guys that are related to that basement. One is, um, there is a very interesting large cage in the basement. 
Um, it is believed that that was used potentially for detox, for quarantine, or even for interrogating when this was a drug rehab facility. Um, but additionally, in that same space, we know in the year 19, uh, I'm sorry, 2019 rather, there was a group of people that actually broke into the facility and did an occult ceremony in that basement um, that, that area. Um, the caretakers, they went into that space, they found a pentagram painted onto the ground, they also found candles and salt. Um, so that is one area that is a little bit interesting next to that cage. Um, but also in the basement, we do know that there were a couple of deaths in that space. One is uh, there was a murder, uh, a, a, mur a homicide, a triple homicide, that ha double homicide rather, that happened in that boiler room. Now this was happening when it was a drug rehab facility in the late 80s. And this was kind of a love triangle that was connected to an employee who worked here. And this woman who worked here, she was in the basement, she was with one of her lovers, and her other lover walked in and sees this and witnesses this happening. He was filled with rage, he stabbed this woman to death, and also attempted to stab his, her lover. Now, the knife was uh, removed from the attacker and the other person was able to stab this gentleman to death. And so, there were two deaths that happened in that boiler room. And there are some, actually, blood splatters that are featured on the wall, on one of the walls in that space. Um, that splatter has been forensically tested and it is, uh, you know, confirmed to be human blood. But there is also a kind of an unfortunate incident that happened when it was a drug rehabilitation center. There was a death of a drug addict named TJ. Now, he was a heroin addict and he was dropped off by a group of friends at the rear loading dock. Now, his friends were also addicts and they knew that there was a service bell that they could ring. They could drop him off, they'll ring that bell and they'll drive off and not have to worry about him. However, unfortunately, this evening, for some reason, the nurse did not hear this bell and he was left out there in the cold and he ended up dying on that loading dock. Now, TJ is believed to roam the halls of the Yorktown Hospital, but particularly in the basement. Now, if we're looking at the main level, the ground level, this level you will find operating rooms, you'll find patient rooms, and then you'll also find kind of a nurse's area, a nurse's station. On this particular floor, we do know that many people have claimed to see some of these old nurses who are in scrubs kind of walking around the area. But they particularly are mostly seen in those operating rooms and in the operating areas. On that bottom or that main floor, you'll also have access to a chapel. That is also known to have some activity as well. Now, if you go up into the top floor, that top floor would have been the nuns' quarters. And that would have been where the nuns would have lived um, and there would have been uh, no access to males up on that space. Um, and so, some of the activity up there, it's said that they're not really happy with men being in that space. Um, and some of the people who have come and toured and investigated the facility do believe that these nuns can become violent. Um, and I'm sure a few of us have seen some of that Ghost Adventures episode where Zach Bagans, he took his shirt off and yeah, he revealed his tattoos. So it is believed that these nuns are not happy with visible tattoos on the body. And some people who have tattoos who have visited that top floor have claimed to have been choked, but also have claimed to have been uh, scratched as well. Now on the top floor, all the way down the hall, you will also have access to kind of the nuns' um, choral space. And that is where they would have prayed as well. And that looks over the chapel. 
So those are the three floors that you are going to be able to experience tonight. We do have some of this information printed on those papers as well. You're able to reference that on those floors as you're experiencing that. Alright, um, now one of the other things that I do want to tell you guys is uh, just a couple of years ago, there was the, the former mayor of Yorktown. He really did not want this hospital to remain here. He thought it didn't look great. He wasn't really happy with it. And he was petitioning and fighting for it to actually be torn down. Now the owners fought against that and they fought really hard against that to be able to, to keep this so that way you guys can enjoy the space. Um, but it was really interesting because the mayor was just so adamant about getting rid of this space. And it was interesting, he, he had had a few drinks. He was driving down this main road right here and he actually flipped over his car. He ejected, he died, and he ended up dying literally right in front of the hospital. So it's kind of an interesting coincidence. Maybe the spirits maybe had something to do with that or maybe it was just completely coincident. But I do think that it is rather strange that that did happen to that mayor. Now, as Stephen did say, there has been uh, TV shows such as uh, Ghost Adventures that have come here. There have been other local specials. All different towns have run issues uh, about this. Uh, one of the other cool things is that it is designated to be one of the top 10 most haunted places in the state of Texas. And just recently it was on a, a brand new show called It Feels Evil, in case you guys wanna check that out for yourself. Um, it's also going to be on another show sometime this year with all the stuff going on. We're not sure when uh, that other show will be released, but um, it's, we expect it by the end of the year for it to be on another national show. Uh, now, uh, I actually did have a very personal experience uh, just last October in the basement here. I wanted to share that with you. Um, we were doing a, a tour kind of like this or uh, an investigation like this, uh, and it was 4 a.m. It was time for everybody to go home. We had already said goodbye to everybody that we thought, but we always try to do a sweep. We don't want to leave anybody behind or lock anybody up for the rest of the evening. So we were doing a sweep and it was me and another gentleman. We went through every single floor. When we got to the basement, our very last floor to deal with, we were walking around. It was quiet. It was creepy, but nothing really out of the ordinary. But at some point, me and this other gentleman, we, instead of seeing two shadows, we saw three shadows around us. And as we walked off, the other shadow remained. So that was kind of a, a creepy moment for us, but luckily we were leaving and we didn't have to worry about that for long. But I do like to share that with you. Now, um, I do want to stress that we are going to have that free time from 2 a.m. to 4 a.m. So please take advantage of that if you'd like. And please also note that if you're not feeling well or you get tired and you do want to leave, you may leave at any time. Just make sure if you have equipment to check that back into us. Like I said, we're going to be here the entire night. Um, one other reminder, we do not have bathrooms here. It is an abandoned building, so you are going to want to head to that Valero if you do need to go. Any questions, you guys? Can we use yes. You may use any equipment okay. that you have at all. Um, if you have anything at all, please, please feel free to use it. You can take videos. You can do all that stuff. Um, if your group is cool with you going live at any point, please feel free to do that. If your group is not comfortable or they tell you, hey, that's annoying, please respect your group. Um, you know, you, you, I, I would love for you to get to know the people on your group. Have fun with them. This is, you know, while it may be a little spooky and a little unsettling here, 
we would hope that you guys have tons of fun and be as safe as possible. Do remember that this is an abandoned building. The structure isn't beautiful. It is dirty. It is uh, dusty in there. So also be careful about that. Now, as you walk around, one of the other things you're going to notice is there are some doorways that have a grate over them. They're there because it is believed that those particular rooms, the structure isn't that safe. So it may be a good idea not to go in there. And if you do go in there, please be very, 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 very cautious. You know, all of this is on your own. We want to make sure that um, you are as safe as possible. If you have any problems, please come out to this information table. We are definitely here for you. On episode two of Make Me a Believer, Billy and I will describe the sights and sounds of ghost hunting at Yorktown Memorial Hospital. Join us.